Welcome to another edition of the Silver and Black Pride Cast. I hope you guys missed us because it's been like a day since we last did this, which it, before that it was a day before that. We've just been cranking them out lately because there's just been a lot to talk about. I'm Levi Damien, as usual. I'm joined with my pal Tyler Smith, a.k.a. Raider Domus. And the news right now is that the schedule has dropped. We knew the opponents before. We just didn't know what order they would be in and what times and what primetime games are going to be. And, whoo, it's a doozy. Uh, I think I can say that with all honesty. I've never seen a schedule quite like this one. What uh, you got any initial observations for this one, Tyler? Yeah, the the fact that the Raiders are going to be on the road for like forty nine days <laughs> from 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 a week week what is it week three in Minnesota uh, through the Packers game that is a ridiculous stretch of not being in front of your home fans. Yeah, I've never I've never seen anything like it. They're going to be gone for almost two months. I mean, they. I mean, this it gets weird right out the gates. Right out the gates. I mean, well, they have an, They're on Monday Night Football again to start the season, which I understood it last year because it was Gruden's return to coaching, and he was on Monday Night Football, and you knew they were going to have him on there right away. Um, but it's like, oh, okay, they're back. Monday Night Football again, same game, second night of the second uh, game of the doubleheader, but then to be home again the following week, you, I, almost. I mean, I have to go back and look at every schedule, but I can't really remember the last time they, they weren't on the road for at least one of their first two games because they like to limit the amount of time they play on that infield dirt, but they're just going right out the gates, two straight home games on that infield dirt, which is, okay, that's against division rivals too. That's that's interesting. It's an interesting choice. And like you mentioned, they go straight from that to being on the road for like two freaking months. Go figure. Yeah, it, it's pretty wild. And then week three and four, you've got at Minnesota, which Minnesota was supposed to be a playoff team last year, and they kind of collapsed. Uh, and then you go to the Colts, which is going to be a really tough game. And then week five, you're in London, which is technically a home game, but not really, in the new uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium against the Bears. Because, of course, we couldn't put the Bears game against Khalil Mack in front of the home fans or in no, front no, of I think that Chicago been Bears enough. fans. Yeah, I don't think he wanted Khalil Mack coming uh, into Oakland Coliseum. Yeah, I think that was uh, Mark Davis opt-in on that one for sure. Week, week yeah. six of the bye, which is a decent week to have a bye week, I think. Mm. Week, week, uh, when you, you want the bye week in the middle of the year, so you know what kind of team you got, and then you can rest up and, and go to the, the end of the year. We, having, a, having a bye week near the end might be a little bit better, but I, I usually like having the bye week around six or seven personally. Oh. Uh, me too. I think I think most of the players would probably prefer it as well. It's only one week earlier than it was last year. They always um, they always follow up the international game with a bye week, and uh, and truth be told, I mean if you're going to put a game over in London, you kind of want it to be earlier in the year because that's when the weather's nicer. So it just gets pretty wet over there. And if if you're like me and you wanna you want to attend the game and to enjoy some sites in london or the uk then you'd prefer you know you prefer to go over there when the weather's nicer but this isn't about me this is about this is about the team this is about um their schedule and it just continues to get weird from there um after the bye week they're in green bay after spending the three weeks before that off 
someplace else. And then they're, then they're back going across the country to green Bay. And, and then the week after that, they're back across the country to Houston. And then finally, um, basically seven weeks after their last game, which was on the infield dirt, I think they can pretty much guarantee that the dirt won't be there by the time they come back because it's November 3rd by the time they finally return to Oakland to face the Lions. But one of the things I really noticed about this schedule is they they group them. I mean, this you go from two home games, um, five games away from Oakland with a bye week in between, and then three home games, bang, 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 just like that. Like, which... Uh, and then two away games, then two home games. Everything's back-to-back. They're all back-to-back, uh, whether it's away games or, or home games. So it makes the uh, travel uh, kind of interesting. It really does. Normally when you look at a schedule for your, your typical team, you'll alternate uh, home and away games. So you'll have two together here and two away games together there. This is just having the Bears game count as a home game just screws everything up completely. And you've got these giant groups of away and giant groups of home games together. And it just makes for a completely wonky schedule. And the, the, the travel is just going to be a nightmare. The funny thing is it actually looks a lot like a baseball schedule because they have, you know, like home and home, you know, a road, a road you know, going a road trip, except for in sure. baseball, they're just like one or each day. But that's how you typically see those. They're always like three or four game series. Um, yeah, we've got a four game set in Seattle against the Mariners this weekend. So come on down with the kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, two game set to start to get start the season. Then you got a, a seven game, seven game set someplace else. Three game set at home. Yeah, it's a it's a, they got a couple of primetime games because they got the uh, Broncos to start this season and then. Charges on Thursday night, um, in uh, as part of that next. Uh, both of them are going to be in Oakland. Both the primetime games. Yes, they are. Something it, it occurred to me because they're sending one of their preseason games to Canada. The uh, game against the Packers, the, which they're also playing in that regular season, and what that means is if you count that game, which I do, because if you're talking about games in Oakland, that means the Raiders have sent. Six games, six home games internationally in the last six seasons. I don't want that's a lot of screw you, Oakland. We're uh, playing someplace else as often as humanly possible. Well, that's that's what happens when your stadium is in the condition the Oakland Coliseum is in. And when people know you're moving and the league know, knows that you're getting out of town sooner than later. Uh, uh, but, you know, next year, this is not going to be a problem. The infield is not going to be a problem. A lot of the things we're talking about right now are not going to be concerns after this year. So this is essentially the last time we have to deal with a lot of the nonsense the Raiders are having, having to deal with currently. Yeah. Technically speaking, they opted into a lot of this nonsense. It's A lot of it's part of the deal. This, uh, you know, the league saying, uh, sure, you can move, but uh, you're gonna, you have to play a lot of games internationally. And, of course, I'm sure Mark Davis is – perfectly fine with that uh, as you mentioned the fewer games in the old stadium the better for um for them certainly and he gets uh, pats on the back and i think he gets some kickbacks for for those games as well for taking them internationally and of course you get the international audience involved as well 
but when you're also talking about international games, um, that's a quote home game that come that that on their bodily clocks is 10 a.m. Pacific time, which they do an unprecedented seven times this season. Seven times there, I feel like Ferris Bueller nine times, but seven times they are starting at 1 p.m. Eastern time, which as we as as we all well know is a disadvantage for any West Coast team to start a game at 1 p.m. Eastern time. It just statistically speaking, West Coast teams tend to struggle when they have to um, take the field at a time which they normally would just be getting to the stadium. Yeah, the the NFL just by virtue of geography favors East Coast teams, which I'm sure the league absolutely loves because that equals TV ratings. You know, the the Cowboys are immune to this, the the Washingtons immune to this, the Giants and Jets and Patriots are all immune to this, but you know, Seattle, the Niners, the Raiders, the Chargers, uh, etc., the Rams now, well, they they kind of get a kick in the butt for this. And that's just just sort of the way time zones work. There's not a whole lot that can be done about that, especially when West Coast teams face East Coast teams, which doesn't happen every year, but it does have most happen most years. Well, there is there is there are things that can be done about that. I mean, you, first of all, you don't lose a home game to another country. That's that's one thing that that affects it because otherwise it would have been six because that would have been if it was an actual home game it would have been in Oakland. Second of all, not all. I mean, granted, most of the most of the NFL, most of these cities are in the Eastern Time Zone, but there are a lot in the Central and the Mountain Time Zone, and those can be moved one way or the other to either um and they they can be moved to a 1 p.m pacific time start um and third some of those can be prime time game if you put the game in the eastern time zone as a prime time game that's not going to be a 10 a.m start anymore but the only prime time games the raiders are playing are at home so you you put all these things together they're playing so many games in the Eastern time zone, or certainly with a um, 10 a.m. Pacific time start and no primetime games away from home and the game in London, you get put all those together and you have, you have a lot of early starts and uh, that is a decided disadvantage. So even though we knew the, all the opponents home and away before we couldn't have really known that, that this would be the result of that. You could take a slate of teams that any particular team has to play, and you can make it favorable to them, uh, like what happened to the New England Patriots today, or you can <laughs> put the screws to them, like what happened to the Oakland Raiders today. So it really just depends on the schedule makers uh, and how much coffee they had that morning. <laughs> what was uh, I? What was so favorable about the Patriots schedule? I mean, other than their strength of schedule, which which is kind of like a luck of the draw situation. And uh, that they're really difficult opponents are all at home. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I think that might also be a luck of the draw situation. It's just kind of like a, uh, it's the, those are the types of things that are, that, that are decided like ahead of time. And you notice the Rams are also, I mentioned to you that the Patriots have the second easiest schedule, but they're tied with like four other teams. And the Rams are also one of them because when you figure if, if you're the best, you're playing everyone below you. 
Sure. You know, and if you, so if you're the best, then obviously it's it stands to reason you probably are more likely to have an easier schedule. Uh, Which apparently it, doesn't apply to the Chiefs this year because they have a pretty tough schedule themselves. Yeah, well, the entire AFC West has a pretty tough schedule, but you notice the two toughest schedules in the AFC West are the two worst teams in the AFC West because they have to play each of the, the two best teams, the Chargers and the Chiefs, in the division twice. And the Chargers and Chiefs don't have to play themselves twice. I mean, so the, so that that's just enough to move the needle to uh, the, the Raiders have the toughest schedule in the league. They're, they stand alone in that. They're not tied like, like the you know, like the Patriots are the easiest schedule, and the Broncos are just below them. I think it's five thirty nine, and um, and yeah, five thirty nine, a point five three nine strength of schedule for the Raiders, and a point five three three strength of schedule for the Broncos. And when you, you when you get right down to it, when you get right to the to the season, you can kind of throw the strength of schedule out the window if you figure last season. The Raiders had the were supposedly and supposedly last season the Raiders had the third easiest schedule because they're basing it on the record of the previous season. But once the season gets here, you know, parity reigns supreme. Uh, and I think a big thing was the Colts were on that schedule, and we know the Colts were without Andrew Luck in 2017, and we knew they were getting Andrew Luck back, and that that uh, changed things quite a bit just for that game alone. So uh, that, you know, of course, would move it down, but uh, but that's just how the NFL is. There's there's too there's so many changes from one season to the next, and uh, I heard somebody say uh, say after the schedule, when everybody was talking about how tough it was, saying that the strength of schedule doesn't really mean anything. What really means everything is whether Derek Carr can improve this season from last year, because if he doesn't, it doesn't matter how easy or hard the schedule is the Raiders aren't going anywhere and there's you know there's logic in that I can I can uh jive with that because it's 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 such a finite thing how close you are between being a a good team and a a really bad team and uh and as we found out in 2016 even when the even when the Raiders defense was horrendous he was making he was bringing them back and you know help lead them to the playoffs yeah, strength of schedule only goes so far because there's always teams who go from third place to first place, and there's always teams that go from first and totally collapse and get to fourth. Case in point, the 20, 2017 Raiders. The, 20, the 2016 Raiders went 12-4, and four, and that was all good. And the next year they were on everybody's schedule, and I'm sure they bumped everyone's strength of schedule up quite a bit. And then they come out there and lay an egg and go 4-12, and 12, and strength of schedule means nothing when you have the Raiders on your schedule. So that, that happens all the time. And we don't know who this year is going to be really good, and we don't know who this year is going to be really bad. So when we look at the schedule, we're sort of speculating, but no one really knows until they start playing. Yeah, it's it's tough to really – first of all, it's tough to really rely on strength of schedule too much. I mean, you can look at some teams and you can say, there's no doubt about it, this team is going to be just as good this year as they they were last year. Or there's a very strong – chance that they will be like the chiefs are going to be really good just as they were last year i think the bears are going to be really good because when you got when you have a really stout defense you're more likely to just continue that it's harder to string together a really strong offense and keep it going um unless you of course you know you have a 
quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or something like that, that they pretty much, uh, you can guarantee a certain amount of wins with those guys in the lineup. But some teams are going to fluctuate quite a bit. And of course, there's always the injuries. Injuries can happen. Like the 49ers, everybody thought they were going to be good last year because Garoppolo ended this, his uh, season there uh, in 2017 so well, but then he got injured and, the, and they went down the toilet. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that are yet to be spoken for and not the least of which being the draft. We haven't even seen the draft. So um, how strong these teams are going to be uh, come this season is, is hard to say. You, you never know what, uh, whether like the Chargers are going to stumble into Derwin James in the first round or something like that. There are so many good prospects who should be taken in the late first round uh, that you're going to get first round guys in the middle of the second, maybe even the top of the third. And there's going to be good guys who are going to fall to good teams. And that sort of thing is going to drastically change what the league looks like, you know, two Sundays from now from what it looks like today. So it's really kind of a toss up because we don't know which guys those are going to be. And we don't know which teams are going to fall to. Yeah, I mean, and even even once you, once the draft happens, everybody's gonna think that they got they got all the good players. They they're on their way. They they filled all the holes. They you know everybody's gonna think that they that they killed it, and you're still not gonna know really, honestly. All you can, I mean, when you look at the schedule, you can. There's only so much you can extrapolate from that. And one thing we haven't really talked about yet um, in the schedule is their farewell to Oakland. The farewell to Oakland consists of the final game happening in week 15, two weeks obviously before the season actually ends, and against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The age-old rival of the Oakland Raiders, the Jacksonville Jaguars. The last two teams that we play at the Oakland Coliseum did not exist when it was built. The Tennessee Titans in week 14 and the Jacksonville Jaguars in week 15. I don't think they existed. We're not around. I don't think they existed when the Raiders moved back to Oakland. They did not. So of course, of course the Titans used to be the Oilers, but the Titans as we yeah. know them today did not exist when so, they I mean, returned that, from Los Angeles. There's a lot of teams that didn't exist when the Oakland Coliseum was built, but there aren't very many teams that have only come into existence since they moved back to Oakland from in, in the mid nineties. And these are two of those teams. I just can't really get, I can't really wrap my head around the thinking here. You don't want to have it against a rival. You don't want to have it. The you clearly, you don't want to have it the season finale. Like the see, you don't want the season finale to be the Oakland finale. I mean, you don't want them to walk off the field the, the last time they're playing as the Oakland Raiders in Oakland. You don't, you don't want that. I mean, do you, I, I just, I don't understand that. I mean, you're going to basically have two endings to the Raiders season. You're going to have the ending of the Oak, the fans in Oakland getting to see them as the Oakland Raiders. And you're going to have the ending of them as the Oakland Raiders, but it's going to happen in Denver. I don't much get that. I'm not sure why you don't switch week 16 and 17, have the Chargers as the last game, and then make that a home game instead of the Jaguars or instead of the Titans. 
it doesn't make a whole lot of sense why they've done it the way they did. They actually give the they actually give the Chargers a farewell after their own farewell. Sure. Because they have the farewell to Oakland and then they go to LA to play the Chargers in the Chargers last game in StubHub before they move into their stadium. So we got the Raiders will have like three farewells of some sort in three consecutive weeks. The logic is just mind boggling. I'm sure some very fancy calculus went into making all this, um, but I couldn't tell you what it was. (laughs) I just, uh, I usually I'm kind of like meh about there's some kind of interesting things when schedules get released here and there. Like, uh, I don't know who's getting a chance to and when they're getting a chance to like Brandon Marshall gets to play his old team in the season opener. That's interesting. The Raiders like last season um, got to open it on Monday night football, just like this year. So um, Gruden on Monday night football, that was kind of interesting to open the season, but this one just like, they just, they really dropped a bomb when they put this thing out. Uh, I, like they, I said, I really just never, I, I've never really cared too much about the schedule until this thing. Well, maybe maybe they felt like they went all out to give the Raiders the last home game against Denver last year, and they weren't about to bend over backwards again just because the Raiders couldn't find another place to play. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, well, I think that what Raider fans are going to have to do is just pretend that that game last year when they thought they were afraid maybe that was the last one, that they'll just have to pretend that was the last one because that was a party. You know, that was... It certainly was. A huge win over a division rival, one of only four they had all season. Certainly the biggest win, the most resounding win. And, the, you know, the, the, the lap around the stadium, and Derek Carr giving high fives and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and just in case that was the last one, you know, so after this Jacksonville one, they would say, ah, you know, we did this already. You know, just, just you know, go watch tape of last year's game. Uh, we'll see you later. Or not? Yeah, do we have to dance on the dugouts again? I mean, I mean, I feel bad for the poor Jaguars. They're coming in in week 15 with somewhere with a record around five and nine, and they're going to come into the Oakland Coliseum and get a massive amount of abuse that they might not have otherwise suffered just because of it's the last game there, and they're just going into that situation just with totally through no fault of their own, <laughs> and it's just going to be brutal for them. Yeah, they're gonna they're they're walking into this like, like seriously, guys, it's not this is not cool. I mean, we didn't we don't deserve this. We're not your rival. We're the Jaguars. We're we're probably gonna be looking for another place to live too pretty soon. Why are you or doing Nick this? Foles to be like this is worse than Philadelphia. Actually, Nick Foles likes it in Oakland. Through seven touchdowns in Oakland a few years ago, he says this is home away from home. He might oh, just come right. in and he spoil the whole party. Him. He'd like that, wouldn't he? Unfortunately, he does not have Deshaun Jackson this time. No, it's just kind of like a uh, perfect storm of things where it's just like, that was his kind of coming out party. As I swear, over the last 18 years, um, coming out parties happened a lot in Oakland. Like the, the cure for what ails you. And he, is, he was like, everybody was like, Nick Foles? Who the hell is that? coming in here and throwing seven touchdowns and some ridiculous, I don't know many how many yards he had, but it was like a ridiculous number of yards. Um, it was absurd. And, and like he was, he was nobody back then. 
now he's a Super Bowl champion, but he even did that as a backup. So anybody who watched Pac-10 football knew who Nick Foles was, but the Yahoo's well, over well, in Philadelphia yeah. didn't. I mean, when you say who's that guy, you don't necessarily mean you didn't know his name, but you just didn't. It just means you, you, you're like, who's this guy and what have you done with Nick Foles type of thing? Because he didn't expect that kind of performance from Nick Foles. I mean, he was he was he was if like. You, Brock if you want to feel better, just play day. against the Raiders, and you'll have a great day. Yeah, he's that's kind of how it was. Yeah, the cure for what ails you. That's what they. Uh, that's what they've been known for more times than not in the last eighteen years. But we're not really here to lament eighteen years of uh, struggles by the Raiders. Uh, you just, uh, I'm not ready. I know you put out your game by game predictions as is kind of the requisite I, thing I when the schedule comes out. And I'm sure, you know, we all know that these are too early. We talked about the draft hasn't happened. A lot of things haven't happened. Uh, you know, we haven't even started the, the preseason. And, and I, I don't – people ask me in the offseason what my schedule predictions are. And I don't I, – I, you won't get a peep out of me as far as a schedule, schedule prediction until I see what they look like in the preseason at least. Get, until I get a good look at them from the sideline in training camp until I get a chance to see them take the field in the preseason uh, and show something, give me some kind of indication and uh, maybe get some serious injuries that throw a wrench and things kind of the way that, you know, what happened with Donald Penn last year. And, uh, and then we can start, I can start talking about schedule predictions. So I'm a long ways off from that, but God bless anybody who, uh, who can, who can throw one out there now. And, you know, I, I like, I really enjoyed your schedule predictions and I, I saw you had a lot of fun with it, but that, you know, that's the Raider Domus way. You know, you don't, you don't predict that is what things. I do. Yeah. That's your, that's your deal. If you really break it down and look at it week by week, which is exactly what I did. If they can go at least two and three uh, before their bye week in their first five weeks, they'll be in decent shape because they have a lot of winnable games coming up in the second half of the season. Lions at home, Chargers at home is a, is a winnable game, I think. Bengals at home is a winnable game. They can go to the New York Jets and win that game. Uh, I think they can win both the Titans and Jaguars games. I'm not sure if they will, but they certainly can if they're halfway decent. Um, the two road games at the end of the year, I think, are killers. Uh, I'm not really sure why you have two divisional road games back-to-back to end the season, but as we as we discussed earlier, that's sort of how the cookie crumbled this year. Um, but I think... I think nine and seven or eight and eight is a reasonable thing to expect if the team improves as much as we think it has, considering how much money they've spent and how many picks in the top thirty-five of the draft that they have. If they can just sort of, you know, keep their head above water in the first half of the season, they'll be just fine. Yeah, you know, the the term "winnable game" is a is a relative term for sure. It can, I guess, it kind of goes back to when you when you talk about what teams you are pretty sure are still going to be really good. And the other, t- and the, and the teams that, yeah, it could go a little bit one way or the other, but uh, coming out of that first, that's going to be tough to come out of that first five. You said what, two and three. I would think two and three before the bye week in week six would be your benchmark for mm. having success in the season. Honestly. Yeah, that's uh, I think that they can wait. They can beat the Broncos in the season openers. Same same as they did last season in in Oakland for that uh, big win. I think they can. 
pull it out in the season opener. And currently, the early odds are the Raiders are favored by two and a half points. So whatever, the, take that for what it's worth. Um, but yeah, the, that looks like really the only game I could see off the top of my head that that is a that that they would be favored in. Let's put it that way. So I think you're right in one regard that two and three is kind of a win because that means they pulled out one of those other games. So there's and those are some tough games. Two and three to come out to come out of that means you you won a game that maybe you weren't necessarily expected to win. So I guess in that regard, yeah, you can see that. But uh, yeah, and yeah, I can I mean, say I can say winnable games to I'm blue in the face. But how many winnable games have the Raiders lost over the last? Yeah, that's, years. that's what I mean. It's like the, the term winnable games. I mean, technically speaking, they're all winnable games. I mean, they, you take the field to figure that out. The, the, you can uh, upstart teams, four and 12 teams got to beat somebody. They, they beat four teams. They weren't all complete trash teams, right? I mean, didn't they beat the Steelers? They did. Steelers were. They beat the Browns, too, who were pretty good at the end of the season. They got them early, yeah. but they beat them. Yeah. So yeah, it was just you never you never really know. And then of course, but you got to balance it off, knowing that they're going to just choke on a on a t on in a game that you think that they should win should win. So it ends up kind of balancing it out. And I don't know about the Chargers being a team that the Raiders could beat per se because they were tough last year, and and I don't I don't see why they would be. Not tough again this year. I mean, I don't think Phil Rivers is going to get worse. I think he was uh, playing pretty good. I, uh, so uh, I suspect they'll be good again. But yeah, like I said, I'm not making any predictions. It's just it's a pretty uh, it's a tough schedule for sure, and especially with the with the way that it's laid out, which is what we found out today. It certainly is. I'm interested to see what happens this year. I'm interested to see how they attack the draft. I'm interested to see what they do with the remainder of their salary cap money. They have actually a, a decent chunk of it left. I'm interested to see what they do with it. If they wait for June 1st or if they go after a couple of the players who are still out there, like Ezekiel Ansah, for instance, um, the, the team will look vastly different in a few weeks than it does right now. Yeah, last I checked, I think they had about right around $20 million. So uh, I don't see any reason why they – if they work the contract right and – Ezekiel Ansah, who's the only guy that anybody would be really talking about at this point, still on the free agent market, uh, should his medicals check out why they wouldn't be able to make it work. Because as we know, the salary cap is always something you can, you can manipulate. They can move some contracts around. They can cut guy, you know, guys that they, if they really need to, to make room. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with his medical situation, but, uh, I know he had the shoulder surgery. I'm just talking about the fact that he was supposed to have gotten a recheck a couple of days ago, but we haven't heard a single thing about it. I I, I thought by um, I thought it was April 15th that he was supposed to get rechecked, but I'll have to recheck the status of that and see if he's see what's uh, what's up with him. But that's certainly something that would um, factor into what kind of team the Raiders are putting on the field. Yeah, there's been a lot of chatter on Twitter the last couple of days after Russell Wilson got his massive $35 million a year contract. But the Seahawks were going to have to trade trade uh, Frank Clark, which I think they may very well end up doing. And people have been hounding him on Twitter, come to Raider Nation, which is fantastic. Frank Clark is great. The problem is Frank Clark's going to want a new contract like now 
Hmm. And his his salary floor is going to be 18 million a year, and his ceiling is going to be 21. And the Raiders just don't have the money right now. Hmm. I mean, no, they, they they they're down about negative 10 million from what he's going to he's going to require, and so that is just totally out of the question for them at this point. Hmm. Yeah, I think the ship has sailed on that particular thing, not the least of which because you're not just talking about what you're paying him; you're also talking about like giving up picks. Which isn't, you know, out of the question for sure, but we're kind of past that. And it's just when you think about the fact that if they were going to spend that kind of money, they would have done it when there were players available to sign them as free agents and not have to pay that money and give up a pick to do it. So they're kind of that ship is has pretty much sailed from um at this point they should be drafting their own Frank Clark and developing their own players instead of (laughs) trading for a massive expensive player from another yeah, if, team. It's not like they didn't were, know this was coming. It, if only it were that easy. Like, just draft your own Frank, Frank Clark. Just go, sure, out and, sure. just go out and draft him. He's sitting there. Just go get him. There's a dozen of them in the first round alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Things grow on trees, those Frank Clarks, I tell you. All right. Well, uh, let's wrap this thing up. Um, thanks, Tyler, for hopping on to this, uh, I guess we can call it an emergency podcast because the schedule was just – it's too crazy not to hop on and discuss it, but uh, I think we 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 parsed it pretty well and uh, split every hair there is to be split. And who knows? Maybe we'll be back again tomorrow with more burning things to talk about, so that we can have another podcast since we're just kind of churning them out now. But uh, until we speak to y'all again, thanks again for listening to the Silver and Black Pridecast.